Today on Through the Tunnel, we go all the way up north to the New England area, Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire to be specific, and talk to some guys that really understand uh, the, the boarding school situations uh, that exist up in New England, why they're successful, why they help so many kids find their ways into uh, you know various uh, scholastic institutions on the college level and all the way to the pros. Uh, my guests today include Alex Pop, a 15-year uh, basketball coaching veteran, uh, coaching at the Division One, Division Three level, uh, G League, as well as in the NEPSAC League. He's coached guys like Jordan Nawara, Marcus Santos Silva, who's right now at Texas Tech, um, and uh, currently is an educational consultant, helping families find the right educational fit in a postgraduate situation. Uh, Dan Haynes, who is the head coach at Lee Academy. Uh, Dan was a head coach at the age of 22 in, in New York, as he'll mention, um, and then uh, has now gone on to Lee Academy in Maine, helping over 35 players uh, move on to the next level uh, to four-year institutions. And then finally, Jason Smith, the head coach at Brewster Academy, uh, a nationally renowned program. He's the winner of seven national prep championships. He's coached 17 NBA alums uh, and has a great understanding of what it means to not just recruit uh, the players in the uh, New England prep school scene, uh, but why those players are successful. Want to be a successful player? Make sure you get with our sponsor. And we thank them very much, Dr. Dish, for everything that they do to to allow us to go through the tunnel. Um, All of these uh, coaches that we're going to talk to today, one thing they have in common, they all have a a Dr. Dish machine in their gyms. They all uh, are helping produce great players. Follow Dr. Dish on Twitter, at Dr. Dish B-Ball. You're going to be able to see how they uh, utilize the machine, different uh, tips, inspiration, uh, and drills that you can use. Um, Mention this ad uh, to Dr. Dish. You're going to get $300 off. And if you have an older machine, irregardless of the brand, they will uh, offer you trade-in value to help bring that cost down just a little bit more so you can get your players a little bit better. Uh, we're going to now go through the tunnel, join our, our panelists as we have a very great uh, discussion on recruiting in New England, specifically Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. All right, we're now through the tunnel, all the way up north in New England. We're with my guys, Jason Smith, Dan Hayes, and Alex Pop. We are talking uh, basketball in New England. Let's get right to it. Uh, Jason, I'll start with you, then we'll go to to Dan and Alex. Um, Talk to us about your respective states and and what it's like to to live in those states and be a baller from those states. Yeah, I've I've been a lifelong resident of New Hampshire, um, currently in in Wolfboro, New Hampshire at Brewster. And uh, our our location is pretty spectacular in that we're on a uh, right on Lake Winnipesaukee. So during the school year, there's only about 6,000 year long residents. And then what happens is in the summer months, our population will jump to about 35,000. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, within walking distance of our campus, we have a a little small town, which is certainly a luxury in the boarding school world. Um, There, a lot of our schools are spectacular and beautiful, but they're pretty isolated. Um, but as a lifelong New Hampshire resident, I, I love the state of New Hampshire. Again, I'm, I'm admittedly biased because I've lived here my entire entire life. I grew up in New Hampshire, went to college in New Hampshire, and now work in New Hampshire. But um, just the, the four seasons, I think, are spectacular. You know, you're not too far from major cities such as, as Boston. Um, so I, I really enjoyed, you know, my time in New Hampshire. Awesome. That's a pretty, uh, pretty cool dynamic you guys got going on up there. And obviously your campus is as beautiful as they come. Dan, talk to us a little bit about the state of Maine. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the first time, I mean, I came here when I was a little kid. I'm, I'm from upstate New York originally. I uh, went to college in New Hampshire. So, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time there as well. And really the first time I was ever in Maine was, you know, I had taken the job before even visiting. So, you know, I took it sight unseen and uh, it was really, you know, the town of Lee is, is, is similar to, you know, kind of where I grew up. It's, it's small. Uh, you know, the, the school is pretty much the town. 
you know, we have a convenience store and, uh, you know, and a little food truck. Uh, and I, I basically just kind of turn that into a positive of, hey, we don't we, we have no distractions. There's 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 nothing else to do. But, uh, you know, go to school and go to the gym. Um, but it's nice because, you know, life's life's a little bit slower up here. Uh, you know, there's you know, it's not super fast paced. Uh, you know, the people are really nice. You know, the whole community really embraces, uh, you know, people from from out of state and out of the country, uh, you know, coming in they're they're, they're really used. It's, it's really a cool dynamic because we're part public school, part boarding school. So it's, it's such a cool dynamic, uh, you know, to have here. Uh, you know, we, it seems everybody always seems like, Oh, what are you guys, you know, like 10, 10 hours away off, you know, how, how far are you guys? I mean, we're four hours from Boston, you know, seven or eight from, from, New York City. I mean, I, to some people that may seem like a lot. I mean, with with all the traveling as a coach that you do, you know, to me, it's uh, you know, anytime I go see my family back home in New York, it's you know, get up at six and I'm there by lunchtime. So, uh, you know, it's not too bad living up here. You know, the the, the driving times isn't that bad uh, in my opinion. You know, I'm a I'm obviously a DC resident, lived in DC all my life. We have traffic here, so when we say, hey, it's two hours or three hours to Philly. Sometimes it turns into six or seven, but up there, it's it's a, that's a, the true time. Like you say, it's four hours. It's actually four hours. It's and it's nobody else on the road. You get get there when when you're supposed to get there. A straight shot, straight shot, baby, straight shot. Coach Pop, tell us about Vermont. What's it like living in Vermont? Um, there are definitely some parallels to Maine, New Hampshire. I would say, you know, what differentiates Vermont is probably the maple syrup and, and the tourism, you know, with, with skiing and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, very, a lot of parallels with Maine, New Hampshire, and even the Massachusetts and Connecticut boarding schools where the school is rural, you know, the distractions are limited, which is great for young basketball players because they can kind of focus on their craft. Um I grew up. I grew up in the Boston suburbs. I went to prep school, and I just love the league. I love the coaches, and then the um, the thing that does it for me is, you know, the track record of the player. You know, the guys go on, and they're ready for college basketball. They're ready for, you know, what's next in their life. So I think that, um, you know, Vermont kind of caught the wave, and I was definitely part of that. But I would say that. Um, you know, Vermont is is part of prep school basketball now, for sure. No question. All right, so now let's let's go back around the horn in reverse order. So, Alex, I'll start with you again. But I think you 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 touched on something that everybody listening is probably their ears perked up. There's limited distractions uh, in your guys' respective states. Players get better in your respective states because they can come up. You get great coaching, um, and you're in the gym and you're focused on school. Let's talk about the basketball infrastructure in in the New England area. Um, you know, whether it be if there's something unique to your state, let us know. But like, if I'm a if I'm a youth player coming up, uh, living really anywhere in, in the New England area, but I I am on a track to go to a boarding school. Um, you know, what what is that basketball infrastructure really like, Alex? I'll start with you, and then we'll, we'll just go back around the horn. Um, good question. I would say that, and, and Jason and Dan, I mean, you guys can obviously chime in on this, but I would say about, you know, 25, 30 years ago, um, the trend really started to catch momentum. And if you were a college prospect in the New England, New York area, prep school became, you know, a, a, it became something that you were going to consider. And I would say as of 15, 10 years ago, for me, the majority of the better players were going to go the prep school direction. And I think that there's a, a lot of different uh, contributing factors, a lot of different variables. Um, and it's, it's been a lot of fun to, to kind of witness because I think the proof is definitely in the, uh, in the pudding there, you know, kids getting the coaching kids, getting the opportunity to live away from home. And then kids, real, you know, young basketball players having the, the opportunity to, you know, have to prepare with consistency is probably the thing that I would highlight the most. You know, you have to 
bring it on a consistent basis, which again translates to the to the next level. And uh, it's very attractive to college coaches and and scouts to recruit. Um, but I'd love to hear from from these guys because I think, you know, having witnessed and been a part of the experience, um, you know, it, it just seems like a lot of a lot of good in a in a strong direction. Um, when you kind of compare and contrast, you know, the prep school direction versus maybe a public or a Catholic school option. Yeah, uh, Dan, before before you answer, Jason, I, I love the line you just said there, Alex, prepare with consistency. That That is something that is going to lend to success on the next level. Uh, I made sure I wrote that down because that's something I want to make sure all of our listeners understand. Um, you will be able to prepare with consistency and you're going to recruit a kid that has done that. Dan, uh, give me your thoughts on, on just the basketball infrastructure on the youth level coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, like I said, I grew up in up, upstate New York. I graduated high school in 2004. Uh, you know, when I was looking at schools and, you know, prep school was, you know, an option to me. I didn't know a whole lot about it. Uh, you know, at the time I, you know, I knew some of the big names and, you know, to me it was, you know, I thought it was just for, you know, those, those big time D one guys, um, you know, and as a, you know, five foot 10 guy, I didn't, you know, didn't think I had much, uh, much pathway there. And, uh, so, you know, I really got my first taste of, you know, the prep stuff when I got up here uh, five years ago. And uh, I just I really fell in love with it, the whole aspect of it, because to me, the the thing that I love most about coaching is the relationships that you can build with your guys. And uh, you get so much access to your guys here, especially here. You know, I actually just moved off campus, but I lived four years right in the dorms with the guys. Uh, and you really do get to build some really cool relationships. And you know, the biggest thing is, you know, for these kids is, you know, time management is, is is real big for them because, you know, the transition, especially if you're going from a regular high school, you know, to the scholarship level, that's a big lifestyle change. You know, there's 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 less less time with mom and dad, less time at holidays, less time with your friends and more focus. And uh, you really can start to separate guys, you know, early on with with that type of setup. And trying to create, you know, the most college-like atmosphere and and schedule of, you know, just like, uh, you know, Alex said there, that consistency of, you know, being in the gym every day, you know, being in the weight room every day, making sure you're eating the right stuff, having kind of that focus that guys have never really had that access to. Um, and you see a lot of guys really take off their development because those guys had never had that much access, you know, to gyms and and weight rooms and 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 all the knowledge and film and things like that. So, uh, you know, like I said, I really fell in love with 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 the whole process of uh, you know the prep school, you know, entire atmosphere. And can I chime in? If if you don't prepare with consistency, you know, you're gonna go up to Wolfboro and get get smacked by thirty five to forty points, right? So it's like you don't have a choice. This, hey, the, the the cream rises to the top, right? And at the top is uh, Coach Smith and Brewster. So talk to us about you know what what your guys' infrastructure there has led to. Um, you know all the. I mean, if you follow your Twitter, you see it every single night. There's there's players doing great on the next level and the next level beyond that. Even um, Jason, talk about how all that comes about from Brewster. I, I think that all of us, Dan and, and Alex, we all have the same structure in our programs and in our schools, which really is designed to simulate what it's going to be like when the kids leave our campuses and go off to the next level. So, that, so that, that's what I always stress to families when they first contact us. I said, you know, do, do you want to be great or do you like the idea of being great? Because I, I think a lot of times at least initially, kids aren't really aware of the structure that's involved in our schools. Uh, and, and again, I, I'm sure it's pretty pretty similar across the board where your entire day is planned out for you. You know, we, we in the fall, you know, the first day, my, my rule is, you know, kids will arrive on campus on Saturday for orientation, registration. You know, they do a bunch of orientation type games. And then our first strength and conditioning workout is at 6 a.m. the very next day. So it's kind of like, you know, welcome to the majors, Mr. Hobbs. Like, you know, you, you've told me that you want to be really good, 
but you understand that we're going to get up at six o'clock in the morning and work with the strength coach for 90 minutes before you have classes. Then you're going to have classes until probably 2.30. And then we're right back in the gym after school from, you know, 3.30 to 6 o'clock. Then you're going to go to dinner and then you're going to go to study hall. And what it's designed to do is really simulate what it's going to be like when they get into a college program. And then they're obviously held accountable. You know, Dan was late to class today. Okay. We're all going to run because Dan was late to class or, you know, Alex didn't have his math homework done. We're all going to run because Alex didn't have his math homework done. And you would be amazed at how that motivates kids because they don't want to be the guy that makes everybody run. Uh, but I, again, I, I think that what you'll, what you'll see, and, and again, all of our programs are pretty similar just in terms of the structure of the day. And you're not afraid to do that in front of college coaches. You've, you've, you've done that in front of when coaches come up for, for workouts. Hey, man, so-and-so screwed up. We're going to all run. And, uh, you know, you come up to prep schools also not just because of the structure, not, because, not just because of the consistency, but also because uh, you want to get recruited. Um, and, and there's access to that. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, kind of, you know, what has lent itself to the prominence, uh, and importance of boarding school in New England. Um, Dan, I'll start with you and, and then, uh, Jason and Alex, you, you guys fill in, um, you know, initially part of what I, I, my theory in my mind, not being a New Englander is maybe, maybe it's cause it snows a lot. Maybe that way they just don't have canceled school. I don't know. This is just like some some idea I grasp out of the air, but um, it's a it's a lot more than that, right, Dan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it is. It's just you know, like everybody's saying, it's it's just so unique in uh, you know in the setup and you know kind of the focus that you can give guys, uh, you know, to have to be able to build that structure. And, you know, we do it, we try to do it on a smaller scale, you know, to be, you know, to say, okay, hey guys, you know, like, like our campus, we have three buildings on campus and, you know, and that's what I thought I say, guys, if you have trouble making it on time, when you got to walk across a street to a building, how are you, you know, how do you think you're going to do that on a major college campus? And, you know, and that's why I love having them, you know, to be able to go on tours and, you know, when we, you know, travel through, you know, cause we travel all the time and, We'll, we'll just drive through a college campus just so they can, you know, kind of see the size and, you know, get just a little bit of taste of, you know, that atmosphere. And, and then to come back home and be like, okay, guys, like, look, see, I'm asking you to walk across the street. Uh, and, and it is, it, it does get, you know, cold up here and we, and we get the snow, but I tell them, Hey, there's, you don't, you don't have far to go here. And, and I try to use it as motivation. Hey, you don't like the snow, you know, work your tail off and, uh, you know, go play basketball where they where where you see snow on TV. <laughs> it's it's 70 degrees in every gym though. I can tell you yeah. that. that yeah. we, we play inside. <laughs> yeah. Um Jason talk talk a little bit more about, you know, the 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 rise of the prep school scene, the boarding school scene in in New England. Obviously, again, you guys have all had success for all levels uh getting kids placed into school. Um, just, just talk a little bit about, you know, the, the demand, I should, I should say, like the seeking it out, uh, for families to say, you know what, this is the destination for my son, uh, to come and get better. Yeah. Like I said before, I grew up in New Hampshire and I remember as a, uh, as a high school student myself hearing about a postgraduate year and, you know, myself starting my senior year at 16, I thought it was a pretty good option. You know, I played baseball, basketball, and soccer and wanted another year, truthfully, to, to play sports. And so I did a, a postgraduate year myself, and it was by far the best decision I could have made. But while going around to the different boarding schools in New England, I stumbled upon a game at uh, New Hampton. And at that time, I think they had um, Lawrence Moten, uh, at New Hampton, who went on to Syracuse and was, I believe, the all-time, maybe still is the all-time leading scorer in Big East history. And I just remember watching that game, you know, playing on a high school team in New Hampshire at the time that had been in three out of the last four state championships, thinking like, hey, we're pretty good. I got one of my teammates is going to play for Cal at UMass. I'm like, hey, this is, we're, 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 and then there's, you know, 20 minutes away going, oh my, this is like a different planet. 
the level of play that was that that was being that that I saw. So that that was really my first introduction to it, and that was you know again probably you know thirty years ago, and as Alex alluded to earlier, it's only exploded since then. You know, I, I think that back then it was a pretty well kept secret. You know, like, hey, have you seen that they have this these talents in these schools? You know, that was pre internet, so everything was everything was word of mouth uh, or in a newspaper. But I, I, I right now, you know, over the last ten years, I've seen our inquiries just explode from people that are interested in in our program or even just prep school in general. You know, I'll get emails with their if copied Dan and, and Alex and other prep schools and they're, they're making a swing coming to visit school. So, you know, in a given year, I'll, I'll usually see upwards of 800, 900 inquiries. And, you know, sometimes those families really don't have any idea what it entails. Like the first thing that I always say is like, you know, the school itself, Brewster has been here for 200 years. So regardless of whether you're a postgraduate, you're a junior, you're a senior, you're still going to take a full academic course load. Like, and I don't, I don't care what they told you about, you know, pop up in the middle of the night school in a, in a church basement in the South, but here you're going to have a full academic course load, whether you're a postgraduate or a junior. And, and again, I just think that all of our schools have seen that, that rise in the interest, you know, probably in the last 10 years. I'm glad you mentioned that, Jason. Obviously, uh, I think most of our listeners understand that the schools in the New England area are long, well-established academic institutions. Um, but most of us as college recruiters have been to those pop-up schools. This is not one of the, the, the none of these are, are those situations. And uh, wow, I did not know that Brewster has been there for 200 years. That is pretty impressive. Um, Alex, you know, th- there's I have a question to add. Please. Yeah, I think the um, the competition of the grassroots basketball with like the sneaker company teams, yeah, has certainly um, helped influence the the momentum here because I think there's so much competition to win on the Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour circuit that sending a kid to Lee or or Brewster and reclassifying him as a you know a junior or even a sophomore it only helps enhance their programs in the spring and summer basketball. So I think that when Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour all of a sudden became more um, conscious of the prep school options and more competitive, I think that that beefed up the momentum. And then I think, you know, Jason mentioned the internet, like social media and the Adam Finkelsteins of the world, I think absolutely snowballed this thing and, and kind of just, it took a life of its, of its own on. And then, I think the uh, the last dynamic I'd add is that um, I don't know exactly when. Maybe, maybe you know, Jason, but a couple, uh, probably like a, a decade ago, the kids who were postgrads or fifth year players were now considered, um, or they're under consideration to be nationally ranked in the ESPN, you know, top 100 polls. So I think that that changed everything as well because you could you could be a reclassified player. And still be- you know, a top 100 guy. Um, so I think those three factors to me, you know, social media, grassroots um, basketballs, you know, the sneaker teams, and then the um, the national rankings, I think helped influence really the um, the interest in New England prep schools for basketball. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Those are, Alex, those are really good points, man. It, because um, from – the rest of the country, we're, we're like, man, there's all this talent coming into these, you guys' school system. And, um, you know, they're obviously developing. Things are going great for them. Uh, you know, but we think about how does that happen? I think you nailed it uh, right there, Alex. And how is that, you know, that's how that happens. Now, Jason, you you mentioned you're a, you're a New Hampshire uh, native. Um, and you, you go and you watch this game and you're, and you're just blown away. Um, how has the influx of talent from outside of New England uh, helped the local uh, schools? So whether it be the other schools around Wolfboro, if, you know, if there are any, um, you know, or just, you know, talent in general, like, you know, I, I grew up a Maryland fan, uh, Nick Kidd Medley's from Maine, Dan, and, you know, you think like, is there really a basketball player in Maine? Well, somehow, some way, somebody had to go 
you know, they had to see them. Are, are there stories like that as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of times we'll, uh, we'll, you know, after the season have open gym and, and there'll be local kids that will come through and, and want to play pickup and, you know, kind of want to see how they stack up, whether they're looking at Brewster or not. They just, you know, I remember as a kid, I, I wanted the competition. I wanted to measure myself against other players. So we've had we've had kids from New Hampshire come through the gym. Usually it's in the springtime after the season. You know, they're just looking for for a really good game. And I think that it has helped some kids over the years. You know, I, I think that, you know, there have been kids that come up you know, to our gym or Tilton or New Hampton or other places in New Hampshire. And we'll try to get the word out to college coaches about this kid that plays at a small public school. You know, I, I, I can remember myself when I was just getting into coaching, I started my own AAU team. And uh, one of my teams was a, a local kid from a small town in New Hampshire, what was a, then termed as Class M, which meant they probably had about 500 students total. And basically uh, his career took off, not just through AAU, but he lived about 20 minutes from New Hampton. And Mark Tilton, the former New Hampton coach, would invite him in to, to, to work out with their team in the off season. And he learned about going to five-star and different camps like that. And then he basically made himself a division one player just because he was looking to, for the best competition, you know, in the springtime in the summertime, anytime just to uh, outside of season to, to get better. I love stories like that. I absolutely love it. The, 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 just because the, the infrastructure that's built uh, and that's been there for, for years, sometimes even locally is a little kind of uh, uh, a secret, if you will. And, and, Eventually, the the best minds, the best players, they're going to figure it out. If they're hungry for that opportunity, they're going to go. They're going to go find it. Um, and Dan, you mentioned something earlier uh, about you know you think about some of these prep schools. You think it's it's for the 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 McDonald's All American level guy, but that's not necessarily the case. There's so much talent of all different levels. Talk a little bit about um, guys that find success. Uh, that might be the 5'10", the 6'2", guard, or, or things of that nature. It's really for everybody, right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like this year specifically, this is the first year in five years that we – I got two kids from the state of Maine. Um, and it's it's been hard to recruit kids in Maine here because, you know, a lot of them, they just, you know, same thing, they kind of put us on, you know, like a higher pedestal of, oh, you know, I don't need to – you know, that's you know that's not for me or uh, – you know, they just don't think it's the right fit. You know, they're ready to go to college. Um, so I was, I was excited to have a couple guys from Minks. I hope that inspires some of the other kids to, to realize because I hope they see what's going to happen to these guys. Um, and, you know, what happens, especially if you go to a small public school in Maine, uh, coaches aren't coming into your gym. And so to be able to give these guys an extra platform, you know, like, I, you know, I got, I got a couple guys that I just, you know, I couldn't believe didn't have, you know, Division three looks. You know, and then after talking to him, it's just like nobody ever saw him. You know, they didn't play, you know, on a big AU team and, you know, we're at a small public school and, you know, just don't get those options. So to be able to give them a platform, you know, be like, hey, you know, you're going to come in and you're going to play against some guys because we do. We have guys from Division One to the Division Three level to NAIA, junior college. And for those lower level guys to be able to practice against, you know, these 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 better athletes and players every day just preps them for you know the next level when they're at and it's all about finding the right fit uh you know i i, I love when you get a kid that comes in and you know he tells you you know coach i'm a division one basketball player i say how many division one scholarships how many offers do you have well i don't have any all right then you're not a division one guy right now you know the, the the coaches with the scholarships those are the guys that determine what level you're at so um you know, and to kind of touch on what Jason had said, too, about, uh, you know, the local impact it has, uh, you know, we're kind of, like I said, we're kind of a unique school. We have a regular high school varsity and JV team, which uh, we, we try to do clinics and camps with our with, with, with the kids. And what it does, it kind of inspires them because they look at our guys. And it's one of the first things I tell them, I say, these kids are going to look at you like you're in the NBA right now. You know, they, they, you know, at lunchtime, they want to sit with you at class. They're going to stare at you. You know, they're going to hang on every word and, you know, it's, it's kind of your job and it's, and it's kind of fun to have people look at you that way for the, you know, for the, for the first time. And, 
uh, you know, to kind of, you know, get those kids. Cause then those kids want to be in the gym. They want to, they want to play after us and uh, you know, they want to play with our guys. And I always try to, you know, there'll, there'll be times when the high school team will play and we'll be practicing right after and the gym will start clearing out and our guys will start warming up. And all of a sudden people start staying in the stands and, you know, they kind of watch and, you know, and it is, it's why, cause you know, some of the schools that are, you know, way out are like, wait, what are, what are these guys? What team is this? And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to just kind of create that awareness of, uh, you know, of what we're all trying to do here. And that's, that's, that, that's helped kids, uh, you know, get into college and better their lives. Yeah. And to be when you go to college as a college basketball player, kids that might be listening, that's going to happen irregardless of what level you're at. You don't wear a helmet in basketball. So everyone sees your face. They know who you are when you're walking on campus. You're a you're a known um, commodity. You're an entity. And and so, you know, getting getting experience in that helps because uh, that doesn't always happen in school. And then just to, to add to that point, you know, I've called Dan. Uh, in the past, like there's a kid that may be in JUCO and you look him up and you're like, oh, he's from Maine. You know, Maine's a big state. But my first phone call of any kid that might have Maine roots is to Dan. And and I will then go from there and, and kind of dig up the, the information um, because, you know, it's 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 a smaller basketball community. Now, um, we let's let's. We've, we've really done a great job of encapsulating how kids get to the prep schools, what's built it up. Now let's really dive into the recruiting infrastructure of, uh, you know, what it means to recruit New England prep schools. So let's let's break it down from start to finish. Um, fall recruiting and open gyms. Uh, Jason, you touched on a little bit more, more spring open gyms. Um, how, how does if I'm if I'm coming up to recruit in the New England area, how, how does that really work? Do you guys coordinate the times? Uh, it, you know, is there uh, Alex, I'll start with you. Then, Jason, you chime in. Like, how, how do I get to know where to go in the fall? Uh, I would just say that, you know, we, we tried the early morning open gyms when I when I first got into it. And we found that that was um, was positive just because. You know, if Chris Mack was coming to recruit, you know, Tyreek Jones, he could come and, you know, have his Dunkin' Donuts coffee and, and watch our open gym. But then he could get up to, you know, to see Brewster or New Hampton in the same day. So we found that, you know, the early morning open gyms were successful for us. It got more coaches in our gym. Um, but then, you know, over time, you know, we, we kind of messed around and just tried to make our open gyms available um, so that college coaches could do one-stop shopping, so they could see other prep schools um, while they made the trip. You know, I'll, I'll leave it at that point. I mean, we, we did a bunch of different things, but, um, you know, I, one thing I will say that there is a lot of collaboration. You know, it's like a fraternity of coaches. Everybody's trying to accomplish, you know, the same thing. Um, so that, that was one of my things at, at Vermont Academy was we kind of, we tried the early morning slots and we found that it was successful, uh, in the time being. Yeah. Uh, Jason, uh, chime in, you know, obviously there's coaches that come in on a private jet land, watch, leave. But, uh, like Alex said, since you guys coordinate, might as well pop around to a couple of different spots, right? A lot of people do that. Yeah, absolutely. What we'll do is because we're about a little under an hour from New Hampton, Tilton, maybe a little bit more to Bridgeton. You know, a lot of times, you know, our our schedules are flexible day to day because a coach will say, hey, I want to come in to see so and so. But I also want to get over to Tilton to see the, them work out. Can one of you go earlier? And one of you go a little bit later so I can hit both places. And again, as Alex said, it's pretty close fraternity. You know, it's it's. It's not like college coaches where it's, it's you know, you know, cutthroat. If, if, if it's July and I get a phone call from a kid that's looking to, to go to prep school at a certain position and I don't need that position, I'll just rattle off six or seven other schools in our league that where I know that they'll they'll have a great experience. And that's really anybody that's in, in New England prep school basketball. Uh, so we certainly do coordinate, especially in the fall during that fall recruiting window with the local schools that are within our hour and a half radius of us. Okay. So let me, let me follow up on that, Jason and uh, Dan, you can chime in. How does the, the league 
uh, work, the NEPSAC League work. There's classifications, right? Can you guys explain to, to the listeners um, kind of what entails going into one classification versus the other and what that might tell us as the, uh, you know, the recruiter? Yeah, for us, we're, you know, we're considered AAA independent. Um, so we're not full-time NEPSAC members because we have, you know, our, our basketball team, our other sports are all uh, main public high school. Okay. Uh, so we're the only, you know, boarding program or the only, you know, NEPSAC associated program. And, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, to being the independent. Um, you know, we don't get the guaranteed schedule. You know, you don't get the, you know, the the home games. Uh, you know, so I got to kind of make my own schedule, which gives you a little bit more freedom, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, you can play, you know, all over the place. I mean, we've played, you know, last year we took a trip. I, I work camp uh, down at Coach Williams camp at UNC every year um, and I built a relationship with those guys. So, you know, this year we got to take we took our guys and we drove we drove one van, 15 guys down to, uh, you know, Chapel Hill, played the JV team, got to watch some practice, drove back up. Uh, hit up, uh, you know, Adam Finkelstein's tournament in, uh, you know, in Springfield, you know, on the way back, didn't practice, you know, did all that. And it was just, you know, kind of, I like to build those tough experiences for him too, where everything's not, you know, going to go exactly your way. So, uh, you know, for us, it's a little bit different um, because we don't have as many, you know, restrictions on games, you know, how many games you can play and, and, and things like that. Um so, you know, these guys can probably touch a little bit better on that as far as, you know, what it means to be, you know, on that full time. You know, we don't we, we're not eligible to play in the, in the NEPSAC postseason tournament. Uh, we are eligible for the national tournament, but just not that postseason. And, and that's important. I didn't know that, Dan. That, um, thanks for teaching me. That's important to know so that if I'm looking at that schedule postseason and I don't see Lee Academy, OK, now I understand why. Um, so, Jason, talk, talk to us a little bit more about, um, you know, just how the 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 NEPSAC, I just assumed everybody in New England was in the NEPSAC. Bad assumption. There's probably others that are assuming the same. So so shed some more light on that. So probably about 10, 15 years ago, the classifications always went class A, B, C, D, and I think maybe even E. Um, and it was based on A, male enrollment, but two, how competitive you were in the sport. And then probably about eight or nine years ago, they restructured everything and added triple A, double A, were the two that kind of distinguished themselves. And then A through D was entirely based on male enrollment. Now you could play in double A or triple A if you wanted the best possible um, basketball experience. So the triple A is, you know, um, is Alex, where we have six teams, seven teams, eight teams, somewhere around there. Uh, I think it was as low as five, and then it got back up to eight. Um, but you know, it was it was really school school decision. You know, your administration, your your uh, your coaches. It was a two year commitment. If you wanted to go to double A, you were there for a minimum of two years. If you wanted to go to triple A, two years, and then after that, it was based entirely on male population. Very, very interesting. And then obviously, the you know, you guys have mentioned a little bit about um, some of the events. Obviously, Adam Finkelstein does an amazing job of um, not just promoting the kids in New England and nationally, really, but creating events. Um, but we've seen your guys' teams all over. Uh, talk about, you know, the, the flexibility, the ability to play in various events and and um, what you guys do uh, in your region uh, to, to get your guys' exposure. Just talk a little bit about the scheduling strategies that you've seen, Alex. Um, I mean, at AAA, you're playing everybody twice. And, and we experienced that last year. We made the transition from, from AA to AAA. And then AA um, – is a little bit different where you, you get to play everybody once, but there's, you know, there's 14, 15 programs in each year. So it can vary. But I would say that um, one thing that is really positive for the New England prep schools with, with the scheduling is kind of the, the events that you can play around holidays, whether it's the Thanksgiving holiday, whether it's, you know, Christmas time holidays, um, Martin Luther King weekend, I think, 
you know, having that flexibility outside of your, um, you know, your conference games um, has, has proven to, you know, be a, a very successful model for all of these programs. Um, and, you know, when you have super talented players with, with big reputations, you, you know, you get invited to some really cool events and, um, you know, a lot of these prep schools have taken full advantage of that. So uh, I think the structure, the structure, is um you know it's perfect because you you do develop some rivalries and you know like we had to play new hampton three times last year i thought that was fantastic for our guys because they're getting ready for what college basketball is going to be like with you know preparation and scouting and excellent coaching um but then you have some autonomy to take advantage of some you know some national tournaments you know like the national prep showcase or a hoop hall you know and you can get outside of the region. Like we've gone to slam dunk to the beach. You know, I know that, you know, Brewster goes down and plays it like the John wall event. And I think having a, a combination of structure um, and, and like, you know, you have those rivalries, but then some autonomy as well is, is a nice little model that's in place that, you know, the, the young people can take advantage of the players can, can really kind of shine through. Absolutely. And that's what I've mostly seen you guys uh, play. I've also seen uh, in the summer and two summers ago uh, when the NCAA allowed, you know, for scholastic events, um, the, the, the camp that was at Milton Academy, that was that was something that was really good. Yeah, I, I kind of came up there blind. It's like, OK, I, we want to recruit the league, the area. Um, I was at a high academic institution. We know that there's going to be high academic kids. So let's just go look. And it was it was fantastic. Um, and Alex, you, you even had a, a team there. Uh, talk about, um, you know, the, the origin of that camp. And I guess, you know, when when the virus gets kicked, hopefully this this thing will still be going on and, and how that will help kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the it was the first year we ever had that opportunity. And I think, um, you know, it was the NCAA's direction for kind of um you know trying out some some new events and some some new agendas um you know certain prep schools played together but there was opportunity for all new england prep school kids to to play in the event um as a whole so when i was coaching in the event i had i had the opportunity of having my own team but then i collaborated with um coach sullivan at worcester academy and we had kind of an independent team full of, of free uh, free agents. And I think that, um, you know, the event was a nice success. And, and I think that it was great for young people because there was a lot of talent in one gym. So obviously the coaches followed. Um, and I also think that it was good for the coaches as well because, it, it, you know, it's going to continue to strengthen the relationships with that coaching fraternity of New England prep schools. Um, so hopefully we can get it up and running again um, next spring. You know, they had two of them. One was at Milton in Massachusetts. The other one was, I believe, at Hamden Hall or, or one of those schools in Connecticut. That's so, right. Yeah, we could get back-to-back -back weekends in June 2021. Um, I think that the momentum that was kind of set for the foundation in 2019, I think that, you know, it's a really net positive for New England prep schools. Yeah. You know, another net positive uh, for your guys' prep schools right now, I, I mentioned, you know, hopefully kicking the virus, is the fact that uh, your guys' institutions um, are operating, they're, they're testing for the virus, um, and, you know, there's been great success and, and safety. And so, Jason, let's talk a little bit about that because um, as, you know, families desire to have in-person learning and have opportunities to get recruited. Um, and uh, this add in the extra uh, wrench in the system, the NCAA deciding to extend everybody uh, in college basketball. So now there's going to be more uh, postgraduates. Uh, let's go around the horn and talk about as of right now, you know, we're, we're in December, 2020. What, what does that mean for, uh, you know, inst all institutions in the New England boarding school system? Are they adding players? Are they adding kids, you know, even currently, Jason? Yeah, I, I think that in, in our Lakes Region League, which is a sub-conference of the NEPSAC, 
our heads of schools and administrations were pretty proactive back as early as you know late May and June and made sure that everyone had the same protocols in regards to testing and quarantine. And I know that at, at, in our league, or at least at Brewster, the students had to have a PCR test two weeks before arrival on campus. Then when they arrived on campus, they were tested again and quarantined until the results came back. If they took public transportation, the quarantine was a little bit longer. Um, we brought the students back earlier this year than normal. They came back in mid-August. We started classes earlier than normal, but we are 100% in person for all classes this, this fall. We're trimesters. So our fall trimester ended just prior to Thanksgiving break. And then what we also had the luxury of doing is having some scrimmages or exhibitions this fall in basketball. Normally the NEPSAC rule would be you can't start practice until the first Saturday in November for AAA schools. Well, we started having showcases in mid-October. So we've already had four or five scrimmages. And leading up to that, all of the athletes, the players would be tested on Wednesday and then have scrimmages uh, on the weekend. So we consider ourselves to be very, very fortunate to one, be in person for all classes. But more importantly, you know, we've been in the gym all fall you know, since September 1st, you know, competing on a daily basis. That That's an unbelievably organized and um, uh, I guess the word smart, but like you guys are doing it the right way. And that, that's that's something that uh, hats off to all the leadership in, in your guys' institutions for doing that. So now I'm I'm a kid sitting at home. Uh, my my senior year just got scrapped because um our public school at you know state xyz um isn't playing this year can i can i reach out to to you guys and and come join up on uh if not on your team or will there be other teams a b team a c team etc yeah we, we've actually added a couple of guys that are going to start here in the winter trimester in, in january um we uh we had about 20 guys in the program this fall you know and the reason being is normally i'll have 12 or 13 the administration asked to have more kids in case you know again back in may that we didn't know what the pandemic was going to look like so you could you could have an environment where kids would compete against each other on a daily basis and then the goal is after uh, the break in january to resume our lakes region league games you know, playing Friday, Saturday. But what I'm also going to do is because I have 20, 22 kids, I'm going to have intra-squad at least once or maybe even twice a week where we bring in officials to compete against each other, have video for coaches. So we're going to be playing three or four times per week. And and since coaches can't come on on campus, they could, they could log in and watch. Uh, those links will be readily available. Yeah, all of our all of our games and practices, we have a, a play site at our facility at Brewster. Um, so it's just you just search Brewster Academy play site, and cameras are on every day for practice as well as scrimmages and games. Wow. Yeah, Jason, I love that three on three continuous. We stole that the second I saw that on play that's, site. That's that is awesome, guys. That is awesome. And if you're not logging in in between practice, in between your scouts, and just watching. And I know you're not the only institution doing this. There's there's multiple institutions doing it. That that's the way. Uh, that's really the wave. It's 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 going to become a thing. Hopefully, moving forward. Um, and Alex, as you consult with families um, that that may be uh, inquiring about, you know, what their options could be. Um, you know, for, for one, start by asking Alex. You know, contact him, and and he'll guide you. Um, you know, what, what else, would, what other advice would you give? Because I'm sure there's I, not, I'm sure I know because I get those calls myself of families asking, Hey, what, what should we do? Like th we're not getting any scholarship offers right now. We don't, we don't know if we can even play. Um, so when they contact you, you know, what would, what would you tell them? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you have an uncertain time and, Places like Lee and Brewster can provide some stability, you know, with your maturation and your just your progression as a player. But I would add that, you know, that scholarship um, 
you know, concern or question does kind of come up frequently. And if you spend a year, two years, you know, if you have the luxury of spending more terrific, you spend a couple of years at a Lee or a Brewster and you don't necessarily get that scholarship. Well, you're still going to be more ready for college basketball. And you're still going to be more successful when you do move on to higher ed. And then just for the rest of your life, like the experience is not exclusively to land a scholarship. I just wanted to throw that in there because I have guys that I've coached who, who play at Colby College or, or Tufts University. And they're having, you know, incredible experiences because of the foundation that they had at a prep school. Um, and then, yeah, I think to circle back about the pandemic, the pandemic dynamics, um, just having some stability and knowing that worst case scenario, you know, you're going to be getting better every day. It just might look different. You know, I think there's definitely um, some satisfaction with with what people hear when you kind of articulate that. This is this has all been great information. Um but before we, we wrap up, I, I like to ask this to, to every panel. What are some of the frustrations you guys have, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, college coaches recruiting your guys' programs? Um, is there anything that you want to tell coaches um, just to kind of uh, make make their lives easier, make your guys' kids' lives easier? Uh, Dan, I'll start with, with you and, and Jason, Alex, feel free to chime in. Any, anything that – you know, maybe you scratch your head and say, I wish college coaches would do this a little bit better. Uh, you know, for the most part, I can't, you know, can't really complain because, you know, at the end of the day, I just want, you know, coaches talking to my guys, you know, and, and you know, and getting some eyes on them and getting to know them. Uh, you know, we really pride ourselves in this. And in, in, in me and my staff, we tell our players every year, listen, we're not going to lie to you or we're not going to lie to we're not going to lie to you. We're not going to lie to the coaches. This is this is tough. I'm not going to sit here and you know tell a coach that you can do things that you can't do because guess what? He's eventually going to look at you, and and especially if we tell him you're all these things and then you get to his campus and you're not these things, that coach isn't going to want to recruit from us again. You know they're not going to trust us. So you know building those relationships, uh, you know with, with with coaches is to me is really big. Um, you know, I, I love I, I I won't necessarily say the things I don't necessarily like, but the things I do like is, you know, I do like when when the coaches will, you know, contact guys and then they'll contact me. Um, you know, every once in a while, you know, everybody because you were up here in Lee, you know, you'll get coaches that, you know, first thing I want to say is who else is recruiting? Who else is recruiting them? But then they don't want you to tell anybody, you know, hey, don't tell anybody, you know, we're not, you know, you know, we're, we're kind of holding off on him. You know, we're kind of, you know, hiding you know, so so it makes it a little tough, you know, on that end because they don't want anybody to know you're recruiting a guy, but yeah, all they want to know is who else is recruiting them. Um, but other than that, you know, I can't, I can't really complain for being, you know, where we're at. We do get, you know, coaches here. Um, and just like these guys said, it's, you know, with us being kind of at the top of, uh, you know, the area, we, we do a lot of those early morning practices because, you know, they'll come in, they'll, they'll fly into Bangor, they'll, you know, fly into Boston, they'll drive up to us, hit us up at six, and then they'll stop at, you know, Bridgeton, then they'll go to New Hampton, Tilton, Brewster, you know, and they'll make their rounds and they'll kind of start with us. Um, you know, so, you know, not, not, not really a whole lot, you know, complaints, uh, you know, on my end. Great information. Jason, anything? Uh, the only, the only thing I would say, and Dan touched on a little bit is, is, uh, is trust. You know, like understand that like we're not going to if when you ask our opinion, listen, but also trust us. We're not going to we're not going to tell you something that's not accurate. And, and what I always tell the kids is there's a fine line between exposure and exposed. Mm. Very, very, very fine line. Um, and, and I'll tell a real quick story and, and try not to put the school on blast here. But I had a kid years ago who who I was telling this particular school, the kid was a big time elite level student, National Honor Society, and he wanted a big college experience, football game on Saturday. So I told this university, I'm like, hey, so-and-so was really interested in you, but as a walk-on, like he wants the college football experience, big university. And at the time, the kid was, uh, I had seven guys committed high major, and the kid was my third leading scorer at the time, 12, 13 games into the season. He was playing over a kid that that school had signed. 
And I told him, I'm like, you don't have to give him a scholarship. Like he's going to get a, everything in merit money. He had a perfect SAT straight A student. They, they said, well, you know, we're not really sure. Well, fast forward a couple of years, the kid became a grad transfer. And obviously college coaches, grad transfers, it's, you know, low risk, high reward. You'll never guess the first school that contacted me and wanted to give him a scholarship was that same school after he after he had scored over a thousand points his his first three years of, of playing. So trust. That's the only 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 request I have. I I will uh, offline. I'll share a story of one of uh, your guys in a similar sense um, that was a success, a major success story. Um Alex, uh, any, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, similar stuff. It's it's an art, not a science. And, you know, New Hampshire kid Duncan Robinson was labeled as a Division three player, right? And he was a New England prep school guy. And now he's a superstar with the Miami Heat. And he went Division three. So I, I think it's an art, not a science. And there's definitely a thin margin. I think, you know, the system and the personality, all that stuff matters. But when you do it long enough, like, you know, all of us have, it does kind of feel unsavory when you hear who else is recruiting him as the first question. You know, you want to just be able to, you know, establish some common ground. And like Jason said, you know, have some trust on both ends and, you know, just recognize that. Some kids are are good fit for different programs for for different reasons, and you know we're we're all trying to do this for the right reason. And if you're at a prep school for long enough, you know you it's not like you can lie anyways because <laughs> they they know who you are and your reputation matters. Um, but it's exciting work, and you know, like Dan said, uh, it's a privilege and an honor just to be fielding those calls from college coaches, and know you know you're doing something right. Well, this is a this has been a great education, um, and and you, Alex, you just led into a, a great segue into our fast break segment here. Um, we see the banner down there. By the way, if you're still listening, uh, you, your ad could be here. You could sponsor Fast Break today. Uh, Life Aid is a sponsor. Shout out Ken Sadowski and Life Aid for sponsoring Fast Break. You just said a name, Alex Duncan Robinson. Um, obviously doing an unbelievable job in the NBA. I think I'm still uh, seeing three-pointers getting splashed in our face from when I was coaching at Maryland and uh, he was at Michigan. We just had to keep guarding him further and further out. Um, let's, let's go around the horn. I want to, I want to hear some, some names of some studs right now in, in college basketball that played in the, in the boarding school system. We're going to go around a couple times. I want a couple, I want some aha moments because I think some people heard, heard the name Duncan Robinson and said, Oh damn, I didn't know he played in that league. So we'll go Jason, Dan, Alex, we'll do snake draft style. And then we'll go backwards. Alex, Dan, Jason, just rattle off some names of guys that are in college basketball right now uh, or in the pros that came from your guys' leagues. Marcus Zegarowski. Pretty pretty good player. Dan. God, that was literally that was that very first one. That's gonna be a guy. That's, that, the, that's what fast break does, man. You take somebody's answer. I, I watched him torch me two years in a row. And uh, you know, I, I said that kid's gonna be fun to watch. Um uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Cole Swider. Good name, Alex. Donovan Mitchell. Woo! The Spider-Man. Okay, Alex, now we're coming back around. Marcus Santos Silva, Texas Tech. Woo! Kid plays hard. Kid plays hard. Oh, my goodness, he plays hard. I love that that, that name. Dan Hayes. Well, Mikel Murray, Central Michigan. Good, good name. Good name. Jason? Trey Mitchell. Pretty good player, but possibly the uh, player of the year in that league this year. We'll see how that goes. Uh, all right, I'm going to switch up order, but same thing. Now we'll go Dan first, then Alex, then Jason. Give me another name. Give a kid that uh, unfortunately got his season canceled this year, so it's going to be another year, uh, you know, before he can really show up. But uh, Mikey West of Bethune Cookman. Okay, he's he's going to open some eyes down there. Shout out to to Ryan down there, Bethune Alex. Oh boy. Uh Kellen Grady, Davidson. 
Another good name. Another good name. Jason, last one. Geo Baker, Rutgers. Nice. Ooh, baby. So, they, I mean, we just routed off some really good players at all different levels that have come from, uh, you know, your guys' leagues. Uh, that that just right there should tell you every, every – and, and geographically have, have landed in multiple places. So um, everybody in the country should be paying attention. Uh, all right, so, Alex, I'm going to start with you, then go Dan and Jason. Name a, a college assistant coach that does a good job recruiting the, the area. Chuck Martin, South Carolina. Great name. Shout out to Coach Martin. Dan? Jason Ludwig, Santa Clara. Jason gets another shout-out. He got a shout-out in one of our other episodes. I'm going to give Jason a shout-out. He's always been good to me. I love Jason. Go ahead, Jason, Coach Smith. Uh, Luke Murray, Louisville. Great, another great name. Great great guys. Now, uh, go back around in reverse order. Just name a, name a college, uh, an institution that has uh, done a good job, maybe their entire staff, of, of recruiting the area. Coach Smith, we'll start with you. Uh, Providence College. Great, great job. Flyers do a great job. Great people. Uh, makes it easy to do a good job. Dan? Ed Cooley, former uh, NEPSAC player. Didn't know that. Chuck, this is what this is all about. Get some information. Dan, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, we're, we're open for business. If any school wants to make Lee Academy their pipeline, we're open for business. All right? The political answer, you got to love it. You know, we got, we got, you know, we got guys sprinkled, you know, a little bit all over. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're open for business guys. Dan, Dan for Senate in Maine. Uh, great political answer. Alex. <laughs> um, the first school that jumped to mind was the Ohio state university. Those guys that used to be a Butler. Ooh, very good. Very good. Okay. Some uh, some regionally stere stereotypical questions here. Dan, do you eat lobster every day? Every opportunity that I get. Uh, I, I, I do our athletic director. He has a food truck right across the street from the school. They sell lobster rolls and they get people from all over. You know, you, you get guys that former New England Patriot players. Uh, you know, they have vacation homes. You know, you'll you'll go to the food truck and you'll see those guys up there all the time. So it's very hard to pass that by. So and also when it's on sale, if you don't get a lobster roll when you go to Lee Academy, did you even go to Lee Academy? You better exactly. get a lobster roll. Alex, what's your favorite Ben and Jerry's uh, flavor? Is that a thing Do you guys walk around in Vermont talking about Ben and Jerry's? Oh, yeah. I would say uh, my wife and I both love Cherry Garcia the most. Ooh, Cherry Garcia. Very good. Um, Coach Smith, I don't even know if this is accurate. If Is New Hampshire the, the maple syrup capital of, of the world? Do you put maple syrup on everything? Is that a Vermont thing? I think maple syrup. I think Vermont. Am I wrong? Oh, man. See, there you go. That's that my ignorance, but big city ignorance here. What is New Hampshire known for? Great Other than producing pros, because that, that that's what you do. I don't know what we, we have in terms of food. I don't know. Guys, anything? I, I think Vermont when I think maple syrup. Well, you need some if you need ice cream or maple syrup when you, you go through Vermont, you go ahead and get it. L last question. When's the earliest you could expect snow in your state? Let's start with you, Jason. We have had snow uh, on Halloween on occasion, and then the the crazy thing is, is snow on Halloween, and then three days later it's sixty degrees. So, if you don't like the weather, just wait a couple of days; it's bound to change. How about it, Dan? I believe it was about three years ago. It was early October. You know, we had just some flurries, just some light flurries, but you, you know, everybody was you know freaking out like, oh, it's already here, it's already here. I go, no, guys, just just relax. Two days later, same thing, you know, it, it's back. So it's very up and down. But, yeah, we've got it as early as October and as late as uh, May. <laughs> and Alex? Yeah, uh, mid-October, my wife went skiing at Killington one year. Uh, it was man-made snow, but I was amazed by that. And I was just grateful that I was in a warm gym during that time, 70 degrees. And you nailed it. That's the to, – to wrap this whole thing up – no matter what the, the temperature might be, it's always warm in the gym. You guys have always done a great job. You've all always been great to me. Thank you so much for joining us here through the tunnel, really giving an unbelievable education of what it means to recruit some states that maybe don't always 
come to mind when we talk about, uh, you know, elite basketball players, but um, all of you guys have produced exactly that. And that's what this show is all about, unearthing the best players in, in each part of the, the country and the world. And uh, you guys have really done that. Thank you so much. Uh, if anybody wants to get connected with any of these gentlemen or any of the other coaches uh, in this region, please don't hesitate to tweet us or reach out and uh, we'll happily do that. We're all about creating opportunities for all the young men and the young women that are playing ball all around the country. Thanks so much. And we are out of here.